pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Oh my God. This ball's thrown and Tyree just goes up for it like a basketball player. Harrison trying to knock it down. That's a great catch by David Tyree. Welcome to Catch the Moment Podcast. This is your host, David Tyree. Super excited about today's guest, international speaker, three-time author, man of tremendous impact in the mental health space. It's my new friend, brother from another mother. You already know what it is. Now, Nate Evans, how we doing, family? Hey, man, it's an honor and a privilege to be here. First things first. Where were you the first time that you saw the helmet catch? What were any of your memories? Nah, it was it was uh YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. I'm a YouTube guy. I'm, I'm a YouTube. I actually have like the premium subscription. Like, yeah, I remember being just really inspired, honestly, by the moment. And the beautiful thing about YouTube, I can rewind it back. I can save it. Yeah. All of those things. So putting it in my own personal just favorites file, that along with several other things is just a great way for me to kind of reflect on those moments. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, YouTube. 33, right? Yes, sir. Man, bro, I'm 43. I'm out here, got a whole decade on you, my dude. I'm out here. That's that's young. That's young. That's <laughs> Absolutely, young. man. You know, you have at this stage either writing or, you know, about to publish three books. Yes, sir. International speaker and really able to really share on a really, which I can't wait to get into on a this hot button topic, especially for the emerging Generation Z community is mental health. So, you know, even being so, so young but respectably accomplished and still well along your journey, what to this moment would you say is your defining moment wow my defining moment actually i know exactly what it is um it was this past year actually so i've been blessed to have incredible mentorship Mm. um one being uh dr eric thomas everybody knows him as et the motivate uh et the hip-hop speaker super number one motivational speaker in the world so him along with jeremy anderson who, who's, ah, who's right in the game. Yeah, these, yeah, are, my, these I, are my guys, man. And um, I've been blessed to be mentored by them and and counseled by them and just kind of see how they live their lives. So this year, um, I'm a part of their speakers community. Sure. And um, we were in Atlanta for the conference. And that moment for me was being honored in front of my wife and my son. I got honored twice, actually, with two different awards. The second time, I was actually holding my son, playing around with him, and they called me up. Yeah, And I ended up bringing him on stage with me. And we got a picture together, me, my son, holding him in my arms, Jeremy and Eric Thomas. And my son, I'm up there, like, giving a, you know, a quick acceptance speech. He's looking into the crowd of, you know, about 800 people. Yeah. And he's just kind of, like, soaking it all in. Yeah. And it was, to me, it was full circle because in 2017, when I initially decided, or I felt like God called me to, to this lane of speaking. Sure. I just had met Eric Thomas for the first time. Wow. Now, was it was it an organic meeting? And I mean, obviously, yeah, most people know know exactly who E.T. is, majority of people. So it was an organic opportunity yeah. just end up being in the same space. It was super organic. We were in Philadelphia. I was with a friend of mine and E.T. had a conference he was doing called sure. Stay Ready. And um, the friend of mine was like, yo, they said E.T. going to be at this cheesesteak uh, cheese spot. You know, he's just going to be out there talking or whatever. He might be signing autographs. You, we should go by. I said, cool. We go by, E.T. gets out, he doing his thing. He's speaking, he out there ministering to the people. He yeah. buys everybody cheesesteaks, we hug, um, we take pictures, all of this stuff. And I'm like, yo, I got to get to this conference. Yeah. But I didn't have the money for the conference. 
Like at the time, I'll be honest, uh, you know, unashamedly, I was broke. I didn't have like $200 to my name. Yeah, I was wow. flat broke and the conference was around like one something, almost 200. I'm like, that's going to be my last money. Yeah. But in my head, I'm like, yo, I need to be there. So I'm telling my boy, like, yo, I got to find a way to get in. I got to find a way to get in. And I started to contemplate spending my last to go. Yeah. And later on that night, my, my best friend hit me. He was like, yo, I got a volunteer opportunity if you want to go to the conference. I said, okay. for sure. Sure. So we get there. I get the volunteer opportunity, and they had this this volunteer group called the the Energy Team. Mm. So they gave us these T-shirts that said Energy Team on them. And I'm like, yo, whatever they want me to do, I'm going to do it. I love it. So we're, I'm working the door. I'm working the escalator. And it got to a point right before the conference kicked off, like before the speakers came, they had pulled all the volunteers in. And it was like, look, we have these signs. Now, the conference was called Stay Ready. Yeah. They had these signs. One said stay, one said ready. Yep. And it was like, we need two people to hold these signs and y'all going to stand on stage as like the hype man. Okay. So they ended up selecting me and this other gentleman who was kind of like big. He was like, want y'all to hold the signs. And when the speakers come out, we want y'all to like turn up and get the crowd hype. Yep, yep, so yep. I went from not being able to afford to go the day before. You on stage. To be on stage the next day. Right. And I got to experience the whole thing. E.T., Inky Johnson, Jeremy Anderson. Yeah. These people, right, that are now my, my mentors, right, yeah. my coaches. At the time, I didn't know it because, I, you know, I played basketball my entire life. I was like, nah, I'm, a, I'm an introvert at heart. So, yeah. like, nah, this can't be for me. I just wanted to come get motivated. Sure. So I got to sit down in the back of the room and watch the entire conference for free. And I felt like God told me, he was like, this is what the next stage of your life looks like and i'm like mm, i don't know about that yeah and it's like no nah, this is it this is it so full circle you know this year 2023 to be on stage with those same with individuals, those same individuals you know what i mean being recognized being peers you know my son playing with the kids playing with the family it's beautiful it's yeah man yeah that's 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 definitely mind-blowing man and and you know you have background um, you know, like I said, Garden State, Dirty Jersey. <laughs> dirty you know, Jersey. You down, down there in AC. And AC, obviously, you know, most people here from the outside, it's all casinos. I'm a Jersey guy. You know, the funny thing is, I got a quick funny story is, you know, I got hit on a timeshare back in the day. And, you know, like if anybody ever got hit on a timeshare, you, you just knew you took an L after a couple years. <laughs> right. But, you know, it's hard to take an L. Right? right. It's hard to take that L. So they got me down there back in the day. I probably just get my little first contract, 05, 0, something like that. And I'm in Atlantic City. They sold me good. You know, I'm over here. My, my wife like, babe, just get the free night. Let's get out of here. I'm like, no, babe. Well, you know. <laughs> And I still got that bag on time share to this day. Oh, man. Uh, right on. And, and it, the good thing is it's on the strip. It's, it's on the beach. I'm like, man, this little two-bedroom shack. I just start seeing them other joints down in yeah, Florida yeah. and Vegas. I'm like, <laughs> right. But AC is rough. It's real. So I don't know yeah. exactly. And like I said, Jersey's people don't know. It's like it could be, it could be, you could be right in the mud. You could be around the corner from right. the mud. It's like very hyper-local. So what was life like? So I can't, the, the contrast from that area, you know, growing up with some of the challenges, you know, because like I said, you either in it or around it. What was life like and what was shaping you, you know, from those formative years? It was a whirlwind, to be honest. Um, so I grew up in both Atlantic City and then the, uh, uh, the, the city next to it, Pleasantville. So I bounced around back and forth. Got it. Mom and dad, you know, sometimes live with aunt, sometimes live with grandma. No real stability. Okay. I mean, I bounced around from 
nine different schools from first grade to high school. Just, just it's the building within the family, just yeah. kind of figuring out, trying just to find. trying to figure out where where would you be. So it was it was challenging building that stability. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of looking back, it was like, man, how could you really form friend groups and things like that? Yeah. The good part was I got to deal with all different types of people. I see it in hindsight now, but before it's like, yeah, I don't want to leave this. I just made these friends. Yeah. So I'm bouncing around place to place. And then at the same time, like you said, it's rough. So people see the casinos, the glitz, the glamour, all of these things. But then you have the hoods. Man. You have the drug dealing. You have these. And as a young kid, I was exposed to gangs, drugs, violence, seeing dead bodies at a young age was touched, molested. Like all of these things happen. Oh, man. And it's like as a young, a young kid in this community, how do you process what's happening? How do you process what's going on? Because you don't necessarily have those type of male figures around you to be like, hey, this is how we're going to process your emotions. People weren't talking about mental health. Not at all. Emotional wellness. So it's like, all right, what do you do? For me, the natural thing was to gravitate. Or I need to find a scapegoat, mm-hmm. and the basketball just happened to be there. Wow, that was the thing I gravitated towards. So sure. it's like, yo, while it turned out to be something that oh, it's my first love, yeah, it was also my safe space. Got it. You know, what got I mean? it. It was refuge. It was refuge. So yeah. it's like, yo, this is the thing that I know I'm safe if I go do this. You know, the homies they looking out. Yeah, I'm good to go. So I just played ball and I just put everything that I had when I was depressed or yeah. anxious or stressed or something was going down in the house. I can just go to the basketball courts. Man. You know what I mean? That's special. And you can just release it all there. The issue with that is this. What happens when the ball stops bouncing? There it is. You know what I mean? What happens when you can no longer play the game? Yep. I be trying to tell the young boys all the time. They're like, yo, man, I want to do this. And I'm like, what happens when you can no longer play it? Like, who are you outside of this? Identity, right? Yeah, man. I went through the, the, the craziest identity crisis when ball stopped years later. Sure. But... You know, kind of going back to it, it's like I put everything into boss. So I got really good at it. Absolutely. You know, fast forward, I get the point guard. Sc- yeah, point guard, shooting guard, shooting guard. Okay. High school, we had a pretty. I played in Pleasantville High School. Give me, South give me Jersey. some, give me some numbers. Like what was you know? Let me see. Yeah, yeah average. What was it like? Fifteen. Okay. And like eight. All right, respect. You know what I mean? And those rebounds too. That wasn't even assists. Like, eight rebounds. Yeah, we had a small team, so I'm okay, grabbing I got boards, you. all of that. You right, doing. Ah, right. Give me that. <laughs> I looked short, but I had bounce. Like I'm talking two hands, all of that. Yeah. So it was it was crazy, but I put everything into sports, and I was able to mask a lot of what I experienced that through is. sports. I'm real laid back. I'm chill. Nate's good. I'm hooping. I'm an all star athlete. Yeah. End up getting a full ride scholarship to play ball down in Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. And it was while that seemed great there was still a lot of challenges and adversities because there was so much that I just didn't process. I just, I just pushed down. Sure. Right. I just pushed down. That's so right. it's like, I'm a first generation high school graduate. Meaning my parents, they were teenagers when they had me. Man. You know what I mean? They dropped out, got their GEDs later on. Yeah. But I'm the first one. So it's like, I'm the trailblazer. And it's like, yo, that's dope. But at the same time, that's a lot of pressure. You know, it's wild because to hear that, you, you might hear that every now and then within I mean, I'm 10 years older than maybe even previous, like that's, that's severe. That's like, like that's, so, you know, from an expectation standpoint, because obviously the sports was creating a lane for you and Mm -hmm. and like, was it truly a extra burden as you moved out to to Tennessee and how did you navigate, you know, I'm assuming that you took that full scholarship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So how did that go? I mean, like, cause now you're away from everything that's familiar, right? You talk about transition and who we are and, what makes us stable? Yeah. It's interesting because there was a burden, but it was self-inflicted. 
Okay. Like my parents never really I appreciate the accountability. Yeah, I like no, that. no, 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 <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. My parents didn't necessarily put the burden on me when it came to that. that like there weren't super high expectations. Sure. But I had some of my own that Sweet I just like held myself to. And the summer before I was supposed to go down to school, I ended up living with my grandfather. And mm. me and my grandfather like this. I'm talking tight. That's dope. You know what I I'll mean? Always tight. Lo- I always love hearing it. And um, one day I come home from from playing ball or whatever. And um, he's sitting on the couch, just how we sitting. And um, something seems a little off. Like, he's holding his stomach, and he's, like, in a lot of pain. And I'm like, man, something ain't, something ain't right. Yeah. So my my younger brother, I have two younger brothers. One is four years younger than me. He was at the house. I said, hey, um, what's, what's going on with Pop-Up? Yeah. He said, man, he's been like this all day. I was like, all right, we got to take him to the hospital. Okay. Now, you know. That older generation about to say, ain't what? trying to go. Ain't to, trying you to know what I mean? You're not, they're not good. trying to go. I'm good. Um, but at the time, it's only me and my brother. I'm nervous. So I'm like, yo, we got to do something. So I pull him in the back room. I'm like, yo, so we're going to take him to the hospital. This is what we're going to do. On the count of three, we're just going to grab him. You know what I mean? Say word. We're going to grab Y'all him. Y'all bad grandpa? Look. Bag him up? Here's the thing. I'm, I'm lifting weights, getting ready for, for college. <laughs> my brother played football for Holy Spirit down in South Jersey, so yeah. he's already lifting weights. I'm like, well, he can't beat both of us. You know what I mean? <laughs> he can't beat both of us. So I'm like, yo, what we're going to do is I'm going to count us down. We're going to stand on each side of the couch. We're yeah. going to grab him and put him in the van. I just got my license. I'm driving now. Yo, like, oh. this so is so Gico right here. <laughs> so, this is y'all duct, made, y'all duct tape grandpa. Nah, yeah, nah. We, we had to do something, man. So we ended up going out there, and he's sitting on the couch. He's not paying us no attention. I'm like, all right. So I'm counting down my fingers. I'm like, yo, three. <laughs> and we, like, grab, like, maul him. Like, we trying to rob him. Yeah. We put him in the uh, van. Um, I get his license and all this stuff, and I ended up, you know, flooring it to the hospital because I'm nervous. I don't know what's going on. Sure. I'm used to seeing him be very active, right? I Correct. Him, he could fix anything. You know what I mean? He one of them type of dudes that, Got like, you. missed to fix it. So to see him like this in this position, I was like, ah, ain't, this ain't right. Ain't right. So we get to the hospital. My, my nerves are chill. You know, we make some phone calls. Family start to come in. Couple hours later, you know the doctor. So, at what point does he does he settle down? At some point, like I mean, obviously, does he? The, by the time he get in the car, <laughs> you're like, man, I'm tired of y'all. Nah, he, it's, it's interesting. He didn't fight back. Like okay, that's all. that's so good. That was the part. Cause I was thinking like he might snap on us. Like, <laughs> I was I was waiting for that, but he never really. Nah, he he, he kind of he, he, he y'all, yeah. y'all yoked him, but and he that's understood. what I knew something was wrong. Man, I said ain't right because he would have wild. He would have wild on bad, us. Like bad, bad, you good? He let it slide, but we get there. You know, doctors come from the back, and he says, "Um, I have some challenging news." Like, okay. He says, um, Mr. Evans has what is known as intestinal gangrene. Whoa. And I was like, what's that? You know what I mean? What's that? He yeah. was like, um, you know, it's it's this bacterial infection. I'm like, okay, can you give him some some antibiotics? Like, how do we get him back home? Is my question. Though. And he's like, How y'all understand? See, what he has is this bacterial infection and it's eating away at his intestines. Mm. And there's nothing we can do to stop it or slow it down. Man. He said, Mr. Evans won't make it to the morning, and you may want to say your goodbyes. And he just, like, just like that, just like that. And I'm just like, what? Yo, like, this person who I was so tight with is like, you telling me he's about to be. And the last time I would see him, we would be in the hospital, me, my dad, and my brother. He have tubes in his nose and his mouth, eyes all, like, glassy yellow. Man. He couldn't talk. He looked afraid. And um, he passed away then. And this is, this is, what? About a week or two before I was supposed to go down to school. And he was going to drive me to school. Whoa. From New Jersey to Memphis. I got you. He was so excited about driving me to school, too. Because he ain't had passed a third grade education. Man. So that thing hit me, man. He he passed away. And it felt like something 
just broke. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I also, again, I didn't know how to express my emotions. Sure. So it's like, all right, I got to figure this out. So now it's like, yo, let me go start drinking, smoking. Let me start doing stuff that's way out of my character. Yeah. To try to calm my emotions and nothing worked, man. And I, um, I still ended up going down to school. First plane I've ever caught in my life. Gotcha. I went down two weeks late. Man, you know, because obviously, you know, as you as you mature, you're developing your your story coming into it. Pain is a big part of the process, right? That right. that you know, I, I like to say, it delivers us even to our promise. Like it's a refining, um, you know, because pain is typically a symptom, right? And and um, there's some inner work, right? It's telling us something about us, whether it's in the body, in the in the soul. And hopefully not as much, but, you know, even in the spirit, right? So what really caused you to kind of, you know, reestablish your identity, find yourself as you were, you know, because college is enough of a transition by itself without losing somebody. I'll be honest. It was tough for a while after that. I realized in hindsight, I didn't properly grieve at the time. Mm. I just tried to mask because that's what I knew. So I get down to Memphis, Tennessee, you know, first night on campus, they room me with a senior. I'm a freshman. Whoa! You know, that don't happen. So you're in there with a grown, with a grown I'm man, a grown man that are, you know. What I mean, from the area, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna take you to Bill Street." Oh Lord! And and for those that are you know watching, you I've know, heard of it. Yeah, <laughs> you don't know about Bill Street. You got to be 21 or older to get on Bill Street. Ooh. I was 18, and he ended up sneaking me on. He knew a DJ, and um, you know, we out there drinking while like again stuff that I don't do. Yeah, it's like I'm trying to mask these emotions that I have. Yeah. So we out there doing that. You know, a few weeks passes by. I'm not going to class. I'm Man. at basketball practice giving half effort. Wow. All of these things. And about three months in, I go to the head coach. And um, I'm like, coach, can I talk to you? He's like, what's up? And they come to my office. So he brings me in. You know, what's on your mind? I was like, man, I need to leave. He was like, huh? Wow. He, was, he was thrown back because I got a scholarship. Like, yeah. paying for everything. My parents can't afford college. And he's like, you know, what's, what's going on? I'm just like, you know, I just got to I just gotta get back home. I just kept saying stuff, right? No, nothing making sense. Um, but he ended up letting, allowing me to, like, leave. Wow. Like, I don't know if he sent something was off, but he let me leave, man. And I ended up, um, you know, forfeiting a scholarship, coming back home, um, working a little bit here and there, helping moms out. Sure. And then I came back up North Jersey. There was a tournament. I don't know if they still have it. It's called the EKB. Never heard of it. Yeah, so it's this big tournament where scouts and stuff come in. And I ended up playing in this tournament, and a scout saw me there, and I got recruited this time to go to a military institute in New Mexico. Oh, to man. To play ball. So I'm like, okay, it's my second chance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Again, still not never addressing the actual mental and emotional issues I was having. I'm sure. just running at this point. Just all go. Just go. So I'm like, I'm, going to New, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to New Mexico. So I go to New Mexico. I'm out there doing my thing for about a year. And um, the same way I felt when I was in Memphis was the same way I felt in New Mexico. Yeah. I ended up leaving that school. <laughs> it was boy crazy. running. We out of here. Running, man. And then I'll be honest, in total, I, I ended up going to five different colleges before it really hit me. I came up to Caldwell. Man. I was back home at ACCC. It wasn't until I slowed down and basketball um, for a moment was taken away from me from an injury that I suffered. I ended up, you know, rupture, uh, not rupturing, um, Messing up some ligaments in my ankle had to there be in a boot. Yep, yep. And it was the first time where I couldn't run to the escape. There it is. And I had to sit there with my thoughts, and I was like, "Yo, who? Why am I talking to myself like this? Like, where did these, where did these toxic thoughts come from?" And sure. I realized, like, "Oh, these some of these ain't even mine. Mm. I done picked this up from somebody else. Something that was said to me. Something that happened to me. Go. And I made this my identity. And I had to make a decision right there, where it's like, all right, God." You know what I mean? And it's crazy because I grew up in a church and I found myself like distancing 
yeah. myself from God realizing he never left me. Yeah. But I'm trying to leave him. And I'm just like, yo, I got I to gotta try something different. Like, I know what pain feels like. Sure. I know what hurt feels like. I know what trauma feels like. Let me at least see what healing feels like. Mm. Let me at least try it. I made that decision, man. And um, things change drastically. It's powerful to hear that. So at what point did you, okay, like, you know, knowing that that was... When you said what healing looks like, what's the first step on the journey? So, you know, you're um, at this, like I said, 33 years old. Mm -hmm. You clearly have a dynamic story. That's a lot of, that's a lot of transition, right? So mm -hmm. we talk about a lot of times, you know, it's like fight or flight, you know. And reality is, you know, everybody responds differently to, um, you know, whether it's, you know, responding out of trauma, whether it's fear, fear-led, but what was the first step? And when you consider people starting this journey toward, you know, recovering their true sense of worth and identity, what, what did the, your first step look like? And how do you even suggest that to people yeah. who find themselves in similar situations? Yeah, my first step personally, it looked like acknowledging that I needed the help. There you go. Because prior to that, I'd been, I I needed the help a long time ago. <laughs> no doubt. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't we all? And it's not that the schools didn't have resources and stuff. I was walking nah. right past the clinic. You, you know and me I mean? both, man. It's yeah. not that they didn't have it. It's just like I wasn't acknowledging that I needed it. Sure. Like it's not just for somebody else. It's like, no, Nate, you need it. Yeah. So that was the first step, man. And then the second step was was committing to the process, which was I need to find a therapist. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what this, this is scary. We don't talk about this. I don't know what this looks like. You sure. know, I grew up in a community where it might be something wrong with your uncle. And it's like, oh, that's just a crazy uncle. <laughs> you know what I mean? He just, he just be doing it. And then you grow up and you learn some stuff. You're like, oh, snap. He, he, he had really condition. Just, like, he, <laughs> we should have helped him. You know what I mean? Yep. So... Finding a therapist, and, and I want to say this for men specifically. Sure. It's like not giving up on the, the first one. You know, because we, we go to one and it's like, oh, well, okay. I tried it. I tried it. And it ain't yeah. really work for me. It ain't really work. And it's like, one, they're not there to fix you. Two, you don't give up on food spots. You know what I mean? Come one on, spot, bro. You got, got a bad restaurant somewhere. You don't <laughs> stop eating burgers. It's like, oh, you, you find try something else on the yeah, menu. You know what I mean? Same with shoes, all of that. So. Um, for me, I had to learn through that process. And then my faith was the biggest thing. It was like, let me stop being lukewarm. Oh, you know bro. I mean? That was my biggest one. And, Appreciate um, that. Yeah, that was a funny story. I was um, finishing up, finally getting my degree at the Bouncing Around from Rowan University. And uh, I had <laughs> made a commitment at my church to like get baptized. Yeah. So I wrote in the car. I was like, man, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to get baptized. Yeah. So one day I'm coming home from class and the pastor calls me. Hey, Nate, uh, I see you signed the baptize thing. Um, we're going to be doing baptisms this Sunday, 1030. Can you make it? And I was like, oh, snap. Put like, you I on was, the clock. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> like, it hit me like, oh, did I, did I say that? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was crazy because I got quiet and um, he's on the other end of the phone like, hello? Hello? And it's like 10 <laughs> seconds go by and I'm like, and, and for me, the hesitation was I felt like, oh, it's not the right time. I'm not ready. Yeah. And I caught myself. Cause that's something I will always do in the past. And it was like a self-sabotaging method. Mm. I caught myself. That's and I was a big like, one right there. Yeah. And I caught myself and I was like, the, the fact that I feel like this isn't the right moment means that it's the perfect moment. Ah, that's you good. You know what I mean? So you caught I, I mean, the thought. Yeah. I caught the thought, man. And it took that, that took time to build that muscle, but I caught it and I was like, I'm going to commit this thing. It's not going to be perfect. And I made that decision. I baptized that Sunday. was looking for therapists right after that. And, Walked into my first therapy session. Powerful, man. This is so powerful, you know, because obviously it's great to start, you know, there's this one side of it. Now, I'm a dude, I, you know, I have different dynamics to my story and just to kind of create an avenue of relatability. But I've, I was literally outside of my mind for a few months. So, mm. you know, 
out, you know, like I haven't, sh- I haven't like created a unique platform to share this part of my, te- cause it is a testimony. I was, wow. I was an athlete. I get arrested on marijuana, um, after my rookie year, mm. um, through my, you know, and that was my road to Damascus moment. You sitting there in a, in a, in a, in a jail cell and, you know, after being NFL special teams, rookie of the year, Giants rookie of the year, all the success, here I am with just all of my decisions because I, I wasn't raised in the faith, but I was the Lord of my own life. Mm. So, you know, after this radical transformation, within two weeks, I was literally a different human being. I walked into a church, just got a nice little invite from auntie. And I'm like, literally, I walked out like new. All I knew was that Jesus had forgiven me and I'm, I'm not churched. I'm not a church kid. But um, it was just after after getting arrested, I figured, why not go to church? <laughs> right, 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 right. You know what I mean? Like, I done tried everything else. Like, I, I drew my conclusions at 24 years old that I'm not good at leading my life, right? Right, right. So, you know, you know the skinny after that was, you know, I, I was a, I used to drink my alcohol straight. That's how I like my Jesus. Like, this is, man, just give it to me straight. No chaser. You know, I don't want no Long Islands, nothing. Right, right. You know, so oh, that was that was my mentality. So, <laughs> but that was how I started pursuing God with this reckless abandon, where I wasn't postured to listen to, and I just got enamored with the idea or the reality or the prospect that God would speak to man. Mm. And next thing you know, Satan kind of threw me through a revolving door, mm-hmm. and I'm starting to entertain voices that aren't consistent with not just his character but his word, of course, right? The word, the scriptures are the safe place, right. man. Satan drove me out of my mind. Literally, I started hearing voices. So we talk about the mental health space. I have a deep measure of compassion for it because I didn't even get, my life didn't get that turbulent until my life changed. Mm. Right? Like I'm, I'm walking two, three weeks and I'm on fire. Next thing you know, I'm mm. over here like speaking new King James out here just sounding crazy. Wow. So we talk about psychosis. I literally entered a psychotic state. So... You know, so um, it's really powerful that we're starting to have more conversations around because I realized that, man, you know, these are real things that people are experiencing. Facts. Right. And it, you don't have to get to a psychotic state where you talk about capturing the thought. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and Lily, you know, tells us take every thought oh, captive. Yeah. You know, like you have to arrest certain thoughts when you realize they're not in line with with your, your, your destiny, who you are, who you want to be. Right. And I think that's, that's still true for any human in the faith or not. Like everybody wants to be well, do well, be successful. Um, so I just really love the, the, that, that crossroad of faith and that pursuit of wellness in the mind, which is really powerful, man. So what was getting stable as a young man now, you know, as you graduate from college, entering into this new reality that I can be well what did it look like for you in the, in the marketplace as you were emerging as a young man and um and you know just how you were coming into that kind of like I can do something worthwhile meaningful because when you step out from college now you're like what I'm gonna do yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it's like what I'm gonna do and for me during that time was the transition out of sports too Mm. So while I was doing going to therapy, you know, really, you know, recommitting my life to Christ and things like that, it was also figuring out like, all right, who am I in Christ? Like, who who did you create me to be? Because anytime anybody introduced me, oh, that's Nate that played ball. Yeah. Oh, you know Nate that played ball, and it's just like, who's Nate that don't play ball? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like who's that dude? So yeah. a part of that was like rediscovering, like okay, who am I? What are the gifts that God has given me, and how sure. do they translate? And that's kind of how the speaking thing came about because naturally God made me an introvert. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So for me to even go out and speak in front of hundreds, hundreds of people, I have to depend on God. <laughs> this ain't no skills. This ain't, you know what I mean? Crying like people, out. Yeah, people be like, yo, you killing this. Like, fam, y'all don't even know like the half. Like, I got to go to prayer here. I got to pray after this. I be saying stuff. What you say is like, I don't even know what I said, bro. I'm being Man, honest. That's my story. I be like, what I said, bro? Yeah, you so, tell me. <laughs> yeah, so that that was kind of that, that path. But then also... um really maturing in a sense of, okay, I'm working on my mental health. Yeah. But I need to be patient with people who aren't working on theirs. That's mm. family. Compassion. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you start working on yours. You start feeling, yeah, I'm working. Yeah, I need to Bro. get to it. And then you realize. It's hard. People aren't up to the same speed. So it's like, okay, let me have grace. Yeah, and yeah. I had to learn. That was tough, man. I had to have conversations with my parents. Sure. You know, and I had to have them sit me down and share portions of their story. Because yeah. I only saw them as my parents. Did you pursue that, or, or was that something they were willing to offer? I know my I know my parents didn't offer me anything. Mm -hmm. You know, so I mean, like, did you get to a space where you realized you needed to pursue and, yeah. and better understand them? Yeah, I, I I needed it for my own sanity and, and maturity as a man. That's excellent. Like there were some things that I knew before I turned thirty that I needed to get done. Was, mm. was like those conversations, and they were tough because I don't like confrontation. Gotcha. I'm not interested in it, but it's like it was certain things. I'm like, yo, I need to, I need to do this. Yeah, because I don't feel fully matured into a man right now. I still feel like a 14 year old boy. Yeah, inside of this this masculine man body, it's like I need to like I need to protect him. I need to let him know he's safe. So I need to have these conversations. It's powerful. And I feel like I have a lot of animosity towards y'all. Yeah, because of things that I haven't shared yet. So it's like, let me share these things. Let me hear from you. Oh, yep. You went through this. You was abused. This happened to you. Yeah. So now I see you not just as my parent, but it's like, yo, you went through some stuff. Yeah. That explains, like, I'm not excusing what happened, no. but it's helping me to understand and there I was you able go. to grow with grace. And now I can love you for who you are and not who I wanted you to be. There you go. You know and, what I mean? Or not what I thought you owed me. Right. And, and to, right to an right. extent. Man, it's man, you 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 hitting the vein right now because this is where every human is subject to people's imperfections, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I, I live it as a father. I'm a we're well intentioned parents, but my children are still subject to mm -hmm. to my flaws. Yeah, and so you know, and I think as you mature, you understand that you you grow up asking for forgiveness early. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and you will hope they have grace for you. Like, hey, look, I, I'm doing my best. And I there believe you go. that, you know, for my parents, you know, even yours, like, yeah, we yeah, did their best with what they had. 100%. You know what I mean? And my dad's my hero. And I never had major bitterness toward him, but I'm mm. going to tell you what, it took me many years into into maturity to realize, like, you know, you know, you grow up, I, you grow up in a divorced home, you, you know, you get pitting opinions, right? They, they, had, they had an amicable relationship, but, you know... Mom mm. might throw a little lightweight shade, you know. Right, little, right, right. Eh, 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 you know, your father, your father. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you're right. You right. already know where we at with moms. <laughs> you know, moms always get the upper hand typically. So, yeah, for sure. nah, it's pretty powerful. So, obviously, the, you know, um, that power twin of working out this pursuit. And I'm gonna tell you what, it's it's frustrating when others aren't. Uh, I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm agreeable with you. Absolutely. You in the pursuit, you realize how healthy this is. You realize that you're getting better, that you're growing. Yeah. Like this is what life is actually about. Mm -hmm. You know, when did you settle in? You mentioned that, you know, you felt like this little boy. At what mm -hmm. point did you really settle into the fact that you were in a health a really healthy space in your journey? I settled in, I wanna say this was Almost three years ago. Excellent. So it was right before my wedding. Right before my wedding, I had made a decision that I needed to have one last conversation with my dad. And um, it was a, it was scary, man. I walked in there feeling like a little kid. 
Man. You know, I'm a grown man, beard, tattoos. I feel like a little kid. And it's like we had to have <laughs> this tough conversation. And, um, you know, I'm coming. I got tears. And yeah. We kind of going back and forth. It's heavy. And I'm like, I don't even know if he's coming to my wedding at this point. Wow. But it's like I had to have this because I was like, my wife needs to marry a man and not the younger version of me. Amen. You know what I mean? So once we did that, I felt like the little boy was able to just get up and kind of just, okay, I'm good now. And I was able to settle into everything that was happening around, you, you know, Excellent. and really embrace it all. And um, since then, it's, it's been beautiful. You know, I've, my relationship with my parents has grown yeah. um, exponentially. And it's just like, man, I'm able to settle in to all of the work, the healing work, the therapy, the the the, the prayer, my faith yeah. walk. It's all coming full circle. But that doesn't happen if you don't take the step and make the decisions. Mm. You know what I mean? It's powerful, man. Um, I, I just really, I, I, I love that. And, you know, you you already shared on, on a few things. You talked about obviously having this group of men uh, as mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't, I can't stress it enough. I tell people you got to have, you know, strong horizontal and vertical relationships, yes, right? As, as you're considering, you know, even some of your journey um, into the marketplace, and I definitely want to understand, and mm-hmm. what is the greatest difficulty that you will be able to even give just one to two pieces of insight? Because when people see someone who's doing it, we tend to think that right. it's, it's automatic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like what, what would you say has been the greatest challenge as you took that big leap of faith into this, into this space? And what you find the most difficult in in the space of being a speaker um, and author? For me, the the biggest challenge and hurdle that I faced was not feeling worthy enough to go out there and share my story. Mm. Like not feeling like, hey, this ain't going to impact nobody and not feeling like this is going to be influential or any. That was like the biggest hurdle is this big. The first few years, there was this huge imposter syndrome. Oh, gosh. You know what I mean? People were bringing me to places and I'm like, why did they just book me? (laughs) <laughs> what are they bringing me like I ain't got nothing to share you know what I mean but they see me in the way that I didn't even see myself mm. and a lot of times in this space that that can be a huge detriment sure. to like you sharing and and one of the biggest challenges in this space you know in the industry of speaking um is is not trying to be another speaker ah there you go it's like literally finding your own unique voice and that's challenging the first few years you know i'm following et and them so i'm like all right maybe i gotta yell at people listen they be the, the you know hype I mean? train boy that hype train and you realize he anointed for that it's like nah, yeah. that's how he talked you know that's what literally I mean? that's, how he talked so for me it's like okay all right i'm gonna try to, to pull this from him i'm gonna pull from les brown i'm gonna pull from tony robbins i'm gonna sure. do this and it's like while you can admire and learn it's like you have a very unique voice. There you go. You have a very unique tone, a very unique cadence, and a very unique story. Sure. And there's a lane in this industry specifically for you. Mm-hmm. Not for ET 2.0. <laughs> not for the carbon copy of somebody else. It's like, no, you. And yeah. when, I, when I learned that, things started to accelerate fast because there was a space made just for Nate that God created. Beautiful. And I can get back in my own lane. Man, I love the way you say, you finished that. You know, get back in my own lane. I tell people, you know, it's it's imperative to, you know, know your lane, but also know when to get out of your lane, right? right Meaning, like, right. there's there's, you know, and I think you have to define that. Me being a uh, special teams maven, you know, in in the football, you know, you had you ran down on kickoff and you had a lane, you had a little mm. little spot that you was you was you was required to be at a certain place at a certain time, but intuitively. You know, and reckon, whether it's recognizing opportunity, having instinct, 
you know, your gut and certain things. I think it holds true in life. Know when to get out your lane mm. so that so so that you That's can seize a unique opportunity. That's good. But it's really imperative to understand yourself. So you talk about uniqueness, which is that's I really feel like it's the only thing that's going to separate people continuously moving forward, right? Everybody has a brand, a, a product, and everybody. a service. So if everybody got one, what's what's the, what's the distinguishing right. factor? It's not just Nabisco anymore. No, no, no. It's right? it's, it's you. you. You're the yeah. distinguishing. I tell people all the time, like, look, I, I go, I travel all around the country, all around the world. It's like, it's not that I'm the greatest speaker, mm. right? But it's like I know who I am. Yeah, I'm very unique. I'm different in certain ways. I'm going to be fully myself. I'm going to come to this engagement dressed like this in jeans. Sure. With a hoodie and a hat on. Yep. You know, I'm going to come comfortable and I'm going to come and relay this message with confidence, knowing that I have a solution to your problem. Sure. And that opens the door. I don't have to try to be anything else. I don't have to worry about how many speakers there are. Yep. You're bringing me because of what I can bring value to. Excellent. You know what I mean? And Excellent. I've lived enough and I've had enough experience to where I can do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Versus with you, it's like, yo, what you're bringing even with the pod is like, this is unique to you. Got to, man. Just just real people, real dialogue, yeah. and, and ultimately find a real solution. Not only do stories inspire, but they equip us, right? Gives mm-hmm. us gives us that that meeting, that meeting place. What's the centerpiece of the message in the mental health space? And obviously, like I said, it's it's huge. You know, because we're we're seeing more information about the emerging generation, we understand tech is is you know throwing everybody. Our, our, you know, I said we just have unhealthy habits, so Fair. in so many different ways. So there has to be a real action plan. It's not folks ain't outside. The things that we know that's healthy, people just we're not doing anymore. So, what's the centerpiece of of your message and some of your story in this space? You know, yeah, the centerpiece for for all of my messaging is resilience. Ah, that's beautiful. the centerpiece no matter what I'm speaking on where I'm speaking at what I'm speaking about at some point resilience gets weaved into there because I believe it's relevant to everything so true you know what I mean whether we talk in uh, leadership development mental health retention rates whatever it is at some point somebody has to be resilient enough to push through that adversity yeah a quote that I always share is like um uh, uh resilience is a choice adversity's not bam you know what I mean? Like we, we all at some point have to go through our own level of adversity, whatever so it is. It's never going to stop for me, for you, for nobody. But it's like resilience is a choice. Yeah. So that's always the underlying just middle part of everything. It's like we have to hit. This is the essence of it all. Sure. I can branch and, and create and do all different types of things. Mm-hmm. But this has to be the 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 foundation of it all. Mm. Talk to me about um, a couple, you know, like in, in your books, you share, share with us the, 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 the two that you have mm-hmm. and what can, what are people going to walk away with engaging with your, with your content um, in, in some of your books? Yeah. So my initial book is uh, Building Muscle, Life is Your Trainer. Mm. Um, at the time when I wrote it, I was actually a personal trainer at the time nice. when I was writing this book and I was winning awards and I was doing all of this stuff. So people thought it was a fitness book. Okay. And it had nothing to do with fitness. It was everything I just shared with y'all. It was about me bouncing around to five different colleges, nine different schools growing up, about being abused. But it wasn't just this big uh, sympathy story. It was like, hey, these are the lessons I learned. Sure. So every chapter had like three or four training lessons in it of things, how I learned how to navigate through these seasons. Mm. So that book was my first book. Um, I actually did two editions of it. The first one was like really raw. It was the editing was terrible. Yeah. I typed the whole thing on a broken iPad mini. I was like, I got to get this out. And I'll tell Boy, you, about you the po- a beast. Yo, the power in that is this. I wrote that book, right? 
like I said, on a broken iPad mini, not a laptop. Sure. I, I didn't know how to do the cover. I went on YouTube University. You know how we do. YouTube, I figured you know, it out. I can't do it. I'm, hey, I'm, look. I'm, 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 I, missed, I missed the YouTube where I be struggling. <laughs> look, look, look. I did that. I put this book out, and I was speaking once at the Covenant House in Atlantic City, which is a homeless shelter for, like, teens. Yeah, I'm stuff. familiar, yeah. Yeah, I had a young man come to me. We were doing a men's group, and he was like, hey, can I talk to you? I'm like, what's up? I like, man, I just want to say thank you, man. I appreciate you. Um, mm. I read this book. Come to find out, he read the book 10 times. The one that was terrible. Wow. About 10 times. And he was like, yeah, it saved my life. So it's like, that's just a message for somebody like, yo, don't worry about the imperfections. Like, put it out. Like, put it out. People dude. people need what God has given you. So I Man, that's a that. message for me, dog. Hey, look, for real. That's <laughs> for real. But I ended up um, kind of improving that book. I added an additional chapter, wrote a second volume. And then my second book... Um, which was I Love You, Letters of Love from Black Men to Black Boys. Beautiful. I was um, with my wife in D.C. This was before we got married, actually. And um, I kind of got into the mental health space and sure. I was speaking on it. And we went to this conference. Uh, Taraji P. Henson has this big nonprofit non uh, okay. foundation called the Boris Lawrence Henson Foundation after her father. And um, it was all of these black mental health professionals there. First time I've ever seen something like this. I'm talking psychotherapists, brain surgeons, like all black people. Wow. And I was like, yo, this is, and my wife's a therapist as well. So I'm like, yo, this is oh, crazy. And um, I was in the room, and I'll never forget him. Um, we actually exchange information now. We talk. His name is Dr. Michael Lindsay. He's a professor at NYU. Nice. He said during his presentation, he said, love black men and children as if they've never been hated. Mm. And when he said that, it something just sparked in me. I was like, "All right, God, I got to do something." Yeah. Like you don't, you you ain't just dropped this on me for no reason. But I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. Sure, I can't do these things. But I, I like to write. I can write. Mm. I'm an author, so I ended up writing this book. I pulled in um, twelve other black men from different areas: some entrepreneur, some education. Sure. And I was like, "Hey, this is the vision, y'all. I really want to put this book together." And um, I had a I had a tough time creating a title. I'm praying on it. And I just kept hearing, I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm like, man, what are you talking about? <laughs> I love you. And it hit me. It was like, what's the first thing somebody does or are going to do when they pick up the book? What are they going to say? I love you. Beautiful. So I was like, okay, this is the title. I'm going to stick with it. I gave the vision to the guys. And it was crazy because this was uh, 2019 when I gave the guys the vision. Sure. We started to work on a book February, I want to say February 2020. Mm-hmm. Shortly after that, what happened? Pandemic hit. Man. Shut everything down. Now, Ooh. here's the thing, the power of it. We on Zoom. We can still type. Sure. We're still working on the book. Shortly after that, things get chaotic. Mm. You know what I mean? You have um, the whole George Floyd thing. Oh, of course. Happens. Now, at the same time, in 2019, I had no idea any of this would happen in 2020. No. I had no idea the country and the world would be up in arms because it of this is. black man and what <sighs> man. happened to him. And this whole time in 2019, I had a vision to write a book affirming us. Affirming. So all of the 12 men that was in the book, including myself, we all wrote like four or five letters of love to black men and boys. <sighs> and um, later on that year, we released that book and um, it, it hit bestseller on Amazon and just did all these things. It, it went to Hawaii, UK. Beautiful. People were sending it to their, their relatives in prison. It was like, man, this this is bugged out. But that one is beautiful. It was powerful because of the timing. I'm like, yo, wait a minute. You showed me this in 2019. I started in 2019. Yeah. 2020 hits. We already got the manuscript done. Then all of this chaos happens. Shoot. It's like this is the perfect product to affirm us. It yeah. Was, it was. It was. Yeah. Man, congrats. That's super super dope. Thank I you. mean, like you know, it, it just it goes to show you that when we don't ignore 
the unction, right? Just kind of yeah. the unction from within. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a, a lot of us could get heady, whether it's, you know, fear, whether it's just reason. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's really powerful that even God put you out in front of such a tumultuous but needed, man. You're talking about yeah. vital, needed. And um, like I said, it was, it was like, it was, it was a really bittersweet time, right? Just, you know, for, for the community in general. But I've always, I've always been a little bit more confrontational. I'm very relational. So I don't, like everything has, I got so limited time. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I don't like diminished value. Like when I say diminished returns, like this dialogue, I'd rather do this because it's an inhuman dialogue. Mm-hmm. The connection is deeper. You can sense, right? I lose, I get you on the phone. I lose, you lose my eyes, <laughs> right? I get That's you good. on a text, even, even more, yeah, go, even, even further out, right? Thank God FaceTime restored a little bit, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's, so I'm like, man, we got to get belly to belly in this because right. I really believe that that's where you get the chance to know, heal, grow. And ultimately, you know, I think that's that's big, some of the bigger challenges. But, you know, the world was at arms, but those conversations came. Right? Mm-hmm. The, the conversations mm-hmm. came on the back end. You hate that that kind of ferocious violence. And, but sadly, it's, our world is sick in so many different ways. Absolutely. But you need the light to rise up in the midst of darkness, man. And you've been a tremendous part of that. Just like I said, you're unique within your unique lane. Amen. Powerful. What would you say, right, um, is, you know, you talked about in, in the business realm, um, but for you, I didn't, you know, I want to backtrack. You know, you talked about the abuse, right? So mm-hmm. this is something that's so common to the human experience. I'm not just, you know, even outside of African-American homes. And um, it's so common. How did it affect you? Because, you know, sometimes we don't even know what we're dealing with. Um, and what would you say is probably the biggest obstacle or place of adversity that you really had to overcome, whether it was a singular event or just something that you recognize later, because, you know, you know, the, the the things that appear to be the deepest valleys end up being the biggest mountains that we can stand on. So for you, what was that painful experience that that you felt like God in this process birthed? There's so many, so many moments that I can pull from. Um, but there was one in particular. Um, this was this had to be early 20s. I was bouncing around from school to school. And, um, you know, I would find myself back at home. So there was mm-hmm. nine people that lived under one roof with my mom. Nine people under one roof. What, we have three, Man. four bedrooms or something. And um, I lost my bedroom when I went to college. You know what I mean? <laughs> no so you doubt. Go to, you come back. We need room. that about you, bro. Yeah, that room gone. That's how I'm rolling over here with all these kids. Hey, my look, oldest bro. son, he out of here in the yeah, Air Force. We haven't changed the whole room <laughs> when you come back. <laughs> so I Thanks. come back home, you know, and... um. You know, I'm home for a little while, just trying to figure things out. I'm going yeah. through my own mental health challenges. And uh, one day my mom, you know, she calls us all in the living room. And she's like, um, yeah, we got to be out by Friday. Like, mm. we got to be out. You know what I mean? Now, mind you, I'm going through all of these different challenges. I just lost a close friend to suicide. Shoot. I'm bouncing around school to school, feeling insecure, feeling like a failure. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, she she throws this bomb on us. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, yeah, we, uh, we got to be out by Friday. We got to kind of figure out, you know situation after this because sure. everybody got to find somewhere to live at some point it's like okay so fast forward we get to the moving day so we packing up boxes and filling up the u-haul truck and we trying to all right who gonna go to the aunt's house all right where are you going i still don't know where i'm going sure you know what i mean and um my wife who was my girlfriend at the time 
she got her mother to agree to allow me to stay at her house mm. while she was away at school at Bloomfield. So we're figuring it out. We packing up and me and my younger brother, we start to get into it because, you know, tensions are high. Of course. You know what I mean? This is embarrassing. Everybody in the block see us. We moving up. Where y'all going? So we drawing back and forth and we start yelling or whatever. My mom's like, you know, shut up, you know, get the boxes. Let's go. Yeah. And I just black out. I lose it because at this point, I'm emotionally unstable. I got you. I done held too much in and I just, I explode <laughs> and I yeah. literally snap. I snap on everybody. I snap. I might have been cursing. I don't remember, but I said some wild stuff to my mom. Yeah. And um, it was as if like time slowed down. Mm. Like after I finished speaking, it was just like dead silence. And it was just like, and I look over to her and I could see like tears starting to well up. Wow. A tear drops and then just like tears flooded down. And she runs in her room and, like, slams the door. Now, yeah. I'm used to my mom being, like, the, you know, she used to get us back in the day, belt, all of that. Like, she used to be come back at you. But sure, I almost felt like I hit her in a spot, this mm. soft spot. You know what I mean? It just really messed her up. And she ended up going in the room, crying, slamming the door. And I instantly felt regret. Whew. I instantly felt regret. I felt like, yo, what did I just do? Mm. And for me, I allow so much stuff that had nothing to do with her to bottle up so much trauma, so much pain, stuff that I could have just slowly released out. Sure. I allowed it to build up. And it was as if somebody just was like shaking the Sprite bottle and just yeah. cracked the top right there. Mm. And I exploded and flipped out, man. And it was just such a horrible experience. It was something that lived for me, with me for a long time. And I sure. continue to apologize for, for even to today. It's like, mama, you know, I was tripping back. <laughs> you know what I mean? We done had talks about it. We done healed from it and gone. Yeah, yeah. But it's one of those things. And I don't have, you know, many regrets, if any. But that was like one that stuck with me. Man. And in that moment, I was like, yo, Nate, you need, you need, you need to get this together. Like, this, yeah. ain't, this ain't it. That's you know beautiful. what I mean? And, um. Yeah, that, w that was one of those moments where it's like, now nah, you need to change, bro. That's beautiful. You know, I tell people, you know, like, you know, obviously change is, change is difficult, but it's very necessary. I'm, and I'm yeah. talking about, you know, from a growth perspective. And I tell people, I said, you know, one of the greatest motivations is, you know, we, we have to have a standard that's higher than ourselves or a love for mm -hmm. one that is beyond yeah. ourselves. And um when you, you, you kind of reminded me of a similar moment for me is like, man, you know, eighth grade, I'm... I had two, you know, I got locked up back to back years. I mean, not when I say like incidences, um, mm. where I got, you know, one was petty, um, you know, wow. stolen car situation where I didn't, you know, I'm in the car, so I'm guilty. Another one was just dumb, being a dumb young kid, but um, I, I lit the bus aid coat, you know, like I flicked the lighter on a, on a, on a, she had a little, <laughs> little fur on the joint. <laughs> You know, we're in the back of the bus, you know, you try to get some extra attention. So it was two years I'm in court, you know, and, wow. and they told me it was, you know, it's like, now mind you, it's poor decisions, right? So you got to be high accountable, but it was my mom's face in that moment. And that was actually one of those crossroad moments. So it's just, it's powerful experiences when you can connect your heart to, you see the, per you're not the person that you want to be. Mm -hmm. um, in light of that, what would you say from a standpoint of, you know, just continue to start that starter kit um, when, when, you know, of recognizing opportunities for growth, you know, how do you, how you get on the trails, how you get on the guard trails in, in, in relation to pursuing growth and wholeness? What's that first step? You talk about recognizing the problem, but um, what would you say is a nice little recipe for people to get on track to pursuing life with purpose and pursuing wholeness? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is is recognizing that 
it's it's bigger than you. And I'll explain. Um, when you think about purpose, wholeness, all of these things, it's like the reason you're getting to this is because you're supposed to impact somebody else. There we go. Right, because when we think about ourselves, I easily quit on myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> People don't they'll be telling the truth. Come that, on, that's man. The, I'll keep it a hundred. Like I'll easily quit on myself. But when I think about my wife, my son, yeah. and then I start to think about since I've started writing books, I'm like, okay, there's people who are gonna read these words that I may never meet. Yeah. But who need to read these words, right? This could be an answer to somebody's prayer. Who am I? Who am I to prevent you from getting that solution? Oh. You know what I mean? Because here's the thing. I've experienced things in my life, whether that was speakers, books, whatever it was. I've experienced things from individuals. And these were things that I prayed about. Like, yo, man, I need an answer, Lord. Like, I need sure. this. And they came through with their 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 content or they came through with the thing they were supposed to be doing. Sure. Right? So just imagine. We, we It's funny. I was on a ride up talking to a friend of mine. And, you know, you know, we follow E.T. and then Bishop Jakes and all that. I was like, man, could you imagine if Bishop Jakes was still in that storefront church in Virginia? Mm-hmm. If he never really pursued what God was putting on his heart? How many people would have missed the impact that they needed? Sure, sure. So I see us in the same way. I'm like, man, it, we're, we're interconnected to so many individuals on sure. this earth. It's like you have no idea who you're supposed to impact. But here's the thing. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, you won't make it. Bang, impact bang. at all. So for me, it's like I get out of my own head of like, yo, this ain't, this ain't about. Like, it's, here's the thing. It's about me, but it's not for me. There you go. That's it's good. for somebody else. Excellent. Excellent. Your life is meant to be like all poured out, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I, man, it's 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 exciting, man. So tell us, tell us a little bit more about what you're excited. You know, um, man, I'll be I'll be over here wrapping it up with you all day, my boy. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna part two in yes, though, sir. bro. Yes, sir. But um, tell me what's what you have that you're looking forward to, and where people can find a little bit more about your platform, and um, how to stay engaged. Yes, what, yes. What's happening in your life and your your journey, your business. Um, your books, come on, lay it out, lay it on the audience, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So right now I'm super excited, man. I'm doing my first live event. Uh, this is going to be May 23rd, 24th, May 23rd, 24th of 2024 out in Philadelphia, the story factory. I'm doing a two day summit. So it's called get to worthy. Um, the theme line is embracing the discomfort of abundance. And at this event, it's going to be art gallery, documentary showing, book launch, I'm flying in speakers, all of the, just all of the stuff that I've been dreaming about, having visions about, I'm now being bold enough to walk in faith and just be like, all right, God, let's figure it out. So that's, that's what I'm really, I just been excited, man. I dream about it all the time. Like, yo, this is going to be impactful because I know what's going to be delivered there was something that I desperately needed. So I know it ain't just me. I'm like, all right, cool. I know people are going to be set free, going to be blessed, going to be inspired. So that's the big thing, man, right there. Um, Get the Worthy Summit. Like I said, book launch at the same time. Get the Worthy Book. Yeah. Um, also the documentary, which is going to be Get to Worthy, which I believe we'll have on Amazon too. Let's go, my which boy. Which I'm super, super excited about, man. Style. And if I can be honest, this is probably the most vulnerable piece of work or body of work that I've ever done. Yeah. So I'm revealing a lot yeah. about myself in this and a lot of my struggles, you know, even early on as a father dealing with, um, they call it postnatal depression, having yeah. to go on medication, like all of that stuff. I, all of this it's, it's all laying it out, out there. Yeah, laying it out there because it's, it's 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 time for us to stop. Man, stop playing with silence, it. Silence, man. It's like you said, stop playing with it. So Mm-mm. that's coming, man. And um, you know, for all of you that want to tap in and, and check in with me, um, yeah, pretty much everywhere at Nate Evans Jr. Um, whether that's Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. Um, I don't even know how I got all of those, but <laughs> I'm sure it's another Nate Evans Jr. out there. But I locked them all in. So 
You man. can find me there. Even my website is Nate Evans Jr. YouTube. I got content up there, man. Fire. Definitely tap in. I'm not somebody who won't message you back. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely hit me up, man. I love to talk and just be a blessing to people. Bro, we we locked in, man. If 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 God isn't have me doing something within my purpose, I'll I'll definitely look forward to being there, man. Because um your your platform is well crafted. Excited to hear that you know created a lens for you for wholeness. Because I mean, at the end of the day, is 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 having a sense of um these these valuable areas coming coming together in our life. Um, but mostly. You know, pursuing purpose on purpose, and it really requires mm, other people. Right. And you know, getting a chance to hear hear some of this. This is how you catch your moment. You position yourself to pursue the promise that's that's in line with whatever mm-hmm. God, you know, whatever God has in store for your life. So it doesn't matter what industry you're in, what sector, what job you have. There's still monumental purpose. And it takes some practice, it takes diligence, it takes resiliency, and bro, you, you got it all. So, man, appreciate you for, ha- for, for coming through here, kicking it, and catching the moment with you, boy. Absolutely, I appreciate you for having me.